Welcome to Art Heroes with JPH, where we believe art heals, connects, and galvanizes. I'm your host, Joanna Patrice Haggerty. On this show, I am honored to have some of the nation's most innovative leaders, artists, and creative business owners to share their unique and valuable experiences, processes, practical tips, and inspirations. Today with me is Peter, the poet, who is known for his intensely crafted flows, emphatic vocal performances, and intrepid stage presence. PTP blazes his own trail amongst his peers, championing lyricism, vulnerability, and jagged attitude in hip-hop, PTP's music orbits a precisely woven core of self-celebration, agro-rebellion, relational reflections, and existential woe. His distinct sonic stylings bridge the gap between poets, songwriters, trap enthusiasts, and hip-hop purists, earning him comparisons to acts such as Aesop Rocky, Homeboy Sandman, Mac Miller, and more. His music has been featured internationally on both American and European hip-hop blogs, most notably on upcoming hip-hop, OK Though, and We Love That as well as spotlighted by local regional outlets such as AVL Today, Asheville Grit, Mountain Express, and more. Always striving to be better and better know himself, PTP creates art, rap, and alternative hip-hop that encourages a pensive mind, a passionate heart, a fine lyrical comb, an indomitable spirit. Today, I brought Peter on to talk about all things art and creativity, but first... Thanks so much for being here. Hello. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Yes, I was just saying, I mean, it's really clear you're a poet because your bio has so many beautiful alliterations and words. And I was like, I need to read this right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like bringing people behind the curtain a little bit. As you were saying, my bio was like, damn, I'm, uh, I, I remember writing that. <laughs> or like, wow, I'm, I'm like, thank goodness I'm good at uh, picking myself up, you know, in good context. You know? Well, and yeah, writing bios is really difficult for the creative community. So I'm sure, again, as a writer, that's a, that's a skill that it can be nice when you can hone it for yourself. So it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, and it is very you. <laughs> <laughs> So usually when we start my show, I like to kind of wind the clock back to like early, early days in Peter's life. So what I like to do is discuss how did you get into the creative lifestyle? What first intrigued you about art and writing? And so, yeah, I'm so curious for you to tell us a little bit about young Peter, the poet. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, What's interesting, um, I guess, to make a, a long story shorter, just to respect our time and stuff, is I definitely started with just, you know, excelling in English class, as it does for many when it comes to creative writing or poetry or even rappers when they're young. Um, I was always fond of uh, reading and writing poetry in those English classes. And um, initially, it started off more as a way to make people laugh. Like I, I was, the, you know, a, somewhat of a class clown growing up and I had a penchant for like rapping as if I was like, like in an Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation <laughs> or like freestyling on like Yahoo chat rooms online or whatever and like making people laugh. Cause I was one pretty awful, but two, <laughs> I just, I knew what to say to like make people laugh. Um, and then that evolved over time. You know, I was I was always into rap. I was always into writing, 
but I was actually a bit of a late bloomer when it comes to being more like significantly one talented and two like um, well-rounded and cultured in hip hop. I was actually mm-hmm. like a metal kid for a very long time. And I wrote a lot of my songs on guitar first before I like really started taking rap and rapping and writing and sort of uh, digging into the history and the culture in like a very significant way. Um, I did the guitar first and then I became um, more of an adept and hopefully now an expert in the uh, <laughs> rap field. Well, and it's important to acknowledge that truly, like, talent is mostly time put in, right? There may be some innate, again, predisposition to writing or words or singing or whatever your creative talent may be, but a lot of it is just putting the work in time. So I think it's fair that if you didn't start that until a little bit later, that now you're starting to feel proficient. What is it they say? It's like 10,000 hours is what gets you to an expert. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And I I definitely think at this point, the 10,000 hours have been, uh, have been that, that rabbit hole has been traveled down from, (laughs) From a significant transformation from uh, bumping Amish Paradise by Weird Al in middle <laughs> school to, you know, digging into like blog rap and underground rap in my high school days to now there's definitely been more than 10,000 hours probably put into the uh, research and development of the man you see today. <laughs> I love that. And and again, part of being a creative and an artist is knowing when to ebb and flow and pivot. And also as an artist who is making money off of your work, therefore you're an entrepreneur, that is also really important is to like niche down. What is important? What do I want to say? How do I want to say it? So I'm curious why did you find yourself pivoting from maybe this more metal sound to hip hop? What did you feel was going to be better about producing this type of sound for you? Honestly, I think rap, um, I used to be a bit more of like a rap superiority person. And I've, sort of, <laughs> I've sort of calmed on that notion. I used to be more backpack about it of like, yo, like hip hop, just like the greatest genre of all time. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it is amazing. Pretty amazing. Time. And has influenced the entire world, let's be clear. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So there's still elements of that argument in me that exists. But I think the biggest thing I could say is that like, I think rap and especially the the form of hip hop and rap that I do, I think it's just the most like raw, verbose way to express yourself, like and with with a lot of clarity too. Like I used to rap in a lot of metaphor, and I still do, but I I, I argue these days that you know. You know, there, there is very straightforward singer-songwriter music where there's not a lot of, you know, flowery language and you're just kind of very straightforward about your message. But I think rap has this um, ability to get very, like, uncannily, just like you're saying exactly what you want to say, it just but it just ha- so happens to rhyme. And that's always been my love about it is that I can truly express, like, what's on my heart in a way that I might, you know, it would sound weird. If, it would just sound kind of too direct if it didn't <laughs> rhyme, you know? If you were just speaking it out on a pulpit somewhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. With a, with a beautiful beat and some rhymes, uh, one's raw thoughts are more digestible, I suppose. Mm. 
I love the way you say that because I speak often in as an arts economist about how arts really help us digest the hard conversations. I mean, let's think about when George Floyd went down. What did we do? We made murals. We wrote songs. We banded together in physical presence and created events around these conversations. And I just love that hip hop again has very much been created out of this rebellion, but it has been a little more palatable. A lot of what has been spoken in in this industry is very um, progressive, is maybe even aggressive in some ways, shape and form, but it needs to be spoken if we want to really evolve through through whatever we're working with, right? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. I love that. Well, I'm curious, let's kind of start talking about how did you get into deciding let's create an album, let's let's put these things on paper, let's actually commit to a, an album because you had one come out in 2022, right? Yeah, so I would say in the early days, I, I miss, I, I miss this about when you're a young artist in particular, this sort of like delusional confidence and like <laughs> work ethic where it's like, I would like, what, what do I say? I say I've been rapping for 16 years, but I've only been good for seven. So those, <laughs> those initial years, I was just dropping album after album. I probably have more than like 18 or 19 recorded projects wow. to over 250 songs, not all of which are available on the internet anymore sure. due to uh, the embarrassing quality control problems <laughs> of the uh, early days. But um, I think from the shared DNA from then to now is just like, how do I want to encapsulate what's going on in my life and my heart um, in this moment? And is it worthwhile to package it together and share it as like a family of songs rather than just like a single? And um, with the most recent album, um, Desert Chapel Tapes that I dropped early in 2022, it was very much about the same topics. Like, heartbreak, you know, letting go, self-analysis, a little bit of like, you know, like romance and stuff. So it all, as you know, hey, so illustriously worded in my bio, it did orbit (laughs) a similar like woven core of like emotional topics. So Mm -hmm. essentially when an album, I produced an album or I, uh, I rap over people that are way better at making beats than me to make an album. (laughs) Um, It's usually because I finally have something to say and something to talk about. Like uh, Bitter, the first album I dropped in Asheville is about like, you know, rediscovering this love and confidence in a new place, like in a new city and like loving rap and hunger. The next album I dropped is about wanting to quit rap and being Mm. sad and stuff and, you know, grappling with like, do I believe in a higher power? And then, and then this album is a very specific topic as well, as I just mentioned. So um, basically whatever, if I feel pang that I need to share, I usually make a project about it. I love it. So I want to talk because there are many people, I myself actually have been writing poetry a lot recently and have been like pulling out my phone because like, I don't, I don't know. I call them downloads. I've just been like dropping into my brain of little ditties. So like for someone like me or other people who aren't sure where to take their music, especially if it's maybe more lyrically driven, can we talk through your process, right? You said you work with other people who do beats. Like, how do you find these people? How do you connect with them? How do you learn how to create a song with your words and someone else's sound? Absolutely. Um, 
One regret that I do have in my process is that I I don't always collaborate with producers in my locality or, or region. Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, sometimes, like, when you I try to work with people I know, like, sometimes, you know, it's not the exact right beat, and I don't want to, sure. like, ask them too much, like, for too much time or too much effort, because you know them, and you know their life, <laughs> like, ah, damn it, I don't want to, like, bog you down with, like, digging through your crates for hours and hours, so I tend to be, kind of take, like, a smash and grab approach where, like, I go on YouTube, and I just dig, and I dig, and I dig, and I, like, find, like, some producer like some 19 year old kid from arkansas with 2000 views on his beat and it'll like hit me it'll just like hit me straight in the face and mm. my pen hand immediately wants to start writing because the sound the sound always comes first for me like wow. I, I i don't really write a lot of um lyrics or poetry without music so it's it's like um a desperate dig and not desperate not in a sort yeah, of yeah but in this like creative yeah 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 it's like a craving to like <laughs> find that gem um and so i'll find the thing i'll i'll pay for like a lease there's like a whole system on rap beats and beats in general where you can mm -hmm. like lease uh, lease the beat for a limited uh, run of like of music streams but you can't like you don't own the beat, but you can use it for a song. And that's usually what I do. But well, yeah, the music always comes first. What a beautiful collaboration too. You know, I just, I've been working with a lot of um, creatives who've been coming on the show and there's just this theme of we don't work alone. I mean, you can be the potter in your studio home alone, like working on the pottery, but you still at some point have to have someone who wants to buy it or, you know, the musician who needs the beats or who wants someone who's going to listen to that music. So I just love the way that you go through about that process. Um, so I'm really curious, has anyone ever not been willing to license their music to you or has that not really ever been an issue you've run into? Thankfully not. I mean, I think what's amazing about the internet music community is that some of its most like vivid talents are just these teenagers <laughs> in their, you know, rooms that just make, you know, they have an MPC, they have a keyboard and a digital audio workstation. And um, they just make amazing music, like and sample things that I can never find and just have a skill set that I don't have. So usually these kids, you know, they put up a beat. They're like, oh, yeah, if you want to use it commercially, just give me 30 bucks. Like, you know, that's 30 bucks they didn't have yesterday. Right, so right. Who's going to be that mad at that? <laughs> yeah. And like some of these guys will drop a beat and then like 100 rappers will lease it out of the millions of rappers in the country. So there's not really a competition. And then they're not going to like run into each other and have the yeah, same yeah. beat. So that kid now has like 3000 bucks of straight off of his art. So I think producers and online producers in particular, I love how they're empowered to make money pretty easily um, just because there's a glut of rappers and there's a glut of dope beats and they come together often. Yeah, and they make magic, literally. So I'm curious on Desert Chapel Tapes, how many producers did you work with? How many different people contributed to that album? I think on Desert Chapel Tapes, it was a mixture of, I think, only like three or four, actually. Wow. There's twenty. There's 24 songs, which oh, is wow. the longest, longest project I've ever done. Um, I dropped a pretty terrible album in high school called Catch 22, and I was like, 
10 years later, I was like, hey, you know what? We're going to, we're going to one up. We're going to two more songs. In that album. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was only like three or four producers. Cause I, I found this one guy um, named ghost on YouTube and I just like went in and was like, wait, I love this one. I love this one. I love this one. And that's always great when you can like find that chemistry with someone that you don't even know in person, but their sound just speaks to you and like, allows you to kind of surface those emotions that you're wanting to, you know, write on, put on wax. Mm, Such a, such a great point. I'm kind of curious, Peter, how the process of getting into that space, right? You said you like get into YouTube, you start looking and then the inspiration happens. Do you need to kind of prep yourself or can you do that any time of the day, any time of night? Or do you have, I'm, I'm just curious if there's like a creative process for you that comes out with this. It's all mood for sure. It's all, you know, the tone of the beat, the mood that I'm in. Um, Mm. If I've written, you know, the opening track on the album, only one I know is like a very sad song. And that day I was very frustrated pondering like what the concept of the, you know, the, the, the events and emotions that fueled the album Mm. were very top of mind that day. And I was like, like strutting around my house like <laughs> right writing furiously to this beat and it was actually one of the last songs i wrote for the album funny enough um and decided to open up the album with that song um but yeah it's like when it comes to like prep and it's just some one day i'll just be like you know what i want to write today let's go dig and then like i'll just pull it up and then if it hits it hits and if it doesn't i i really try not to force it yeah. Um, I can't, I need to feel that kind of intangible lightning strike right? Um, where I'm moved like in that moment by the beat. Cause every time I've tried to like force it, like I, you know, I might hear a cool beat um, and maybe it's like a little outside of my like sonic palette, but I want to try it. The, the lyrics never come out the way I want them to. So I wish I had a more like disciplined way of writing where I could be like, I'm going to write today. It's a project. <laughs> Well, I want to say, as someone who coaches artists and creatives all the time, I don't ever think that you need to, like, change a process if it's working for you. I think you can always assess additional processes to add or new things to try, which you are doing. So I, I really honor the creative process. But what I'm curious on the flip side is then when it comes to, like, the business acumen or you know again you you have this inspiration you record this song then what right there's so many other things there's all this other conversation so how do you manage the business aspect of it the business aspect i will admit is where i am most likely the the least talented and knowledgeable and i I, i've tried over the years to improve that obviously especially as i've gotten older and money's more important and things of that nature but um yeah i mean the, the pipeline of, you know, uh, source the beats, write the songs, record the songs. I'm very fortunate to have the ability to record at home, mm-hmm. um, you know, put the demos together. I was fortunate enough to mix it myself this time, even though I, I probably, it was just 24 songs. I didn't want to pay, you know, like $100 per song to get it yeah. all mixed like professionally. But that's another cost to keep in mind. And then, um, once you have everything mixed or mastered, whether you do it yourself or you hire someone, then you got to have one of your distribution um, <laughs> websites that you're on, like DistroKit or TuneCore, and then that's an annual fee. And then you put it online, and then uh, the business from then on, once it's uh, hit streaming sites, is just promotion, promotion, promotion. And um, that can be the most... Uh, 
the, it's honestly the most fun part because that's playing shows. It's telling your friends about it. It's telling your network about your music. But it also is the part of the business that I think often deters people yeah. and also also deters their network because people like I think people get sick of self-promoters sometimes. Yeah. But honestly, like if, you know, you have to believe in it first and if you need to promote it every day or else, you know, you're not going to convince the people to actually give a care and click in. And there are ways, again, as someone who coaches artists and creatives, there's like, you know, crappy sales techniques and there's really good, positive, powerful ways of engaging community. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to expect perfection. We have to be willing to get out there and do it anyway, right? So I just really honor you and what you've done. And I hate we have to wrap up, but I do want to give you a chance to let people know how can they follow you we didn't even get a chance to talk about your single you just dropped how can they go listen to whose man is this and then check out your album and support you for sure um outro outro advertisement time <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> yeah no but thank you so much for having me um yeah basically all my you know my name is ptp peter the poet um new york native Asheville. you know new york raised Asheville, grown in the last <laughs> five years um, you can find my single "Whose Man's Is This" on all streaming platforms. Just search P dot T dot P on any of your DSPs, your your streaming services. Um, the album's Desert Chapel Tapes. The single is "Whose Man's Is This." Um, fun rap and emotional art rap. I'd really appreciate uh, you tapping in, checking out, and reaching out if you uh, dig what you hear. And thanks so much, Joanna, for having me. Absolutely. It's such a pleasure to have watched you grow over the last, I mean, five years in, in your career here in Asheville. And I'm just honored to know you and, and claim you as one of ours. <laughs> Shouts so, out Expand Fest. Oh my gosh. Throwing it back. I, I know. One of my favorite moments, I rapped on top of a school bus because of this because of this woman. She put together a dope thing and I rapped on top of a school bus because of it. Oh. So thank you for that memory. That was pretty fun. A very colorful school buzz. Yeah. Thanks again for being here, Peter. We'll have to bring you back next time. And as always, this is Art Heroes with JPH, where we share tips and tools of our community's most innovative entrepreneurs, artists, and creative business owners. Thank you so much for tuning in. And please connect by visiting bizradio.us or arthero.biz. We'd love to hear your show suggestions or any questions you may have. And as always, stay creative. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.